eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, Buckeye fans, and welcome to another episode of the Bucknuts Happy Hour. I'm Patrick Murphy from Bucknuts and 24-7 Sports, and we're going to talk a little hoops, a little football. Uh, If you are not into Buckeye basketball, if that's not your thing, and I know there's a lot of people out there that can't deal with that right now, I would say come back, or if you're listening to this podcast, uh, flip forward to about 20, 25 minutes in, or roughly 20, 25 minutes from now, that's when we'll shift over to football. But I felt like we needed to talk about this Buckeye basketball team and the struggles they've had. And to do so, bring in one of our basketball uh, savants, Timmy Hall from the Buckeye Show on 97.1 The Fan. Hey, Timmy. Hey, Patrick. Hey. Just just you know, blow by. Just go to about the 20-minute mark. Yeah. You don't need to hear any of this. Yeah. It's some idiot here. Well, go Biddle pointed right on. I, I just want to say, Dave Biddle pointed out to me one time that 
when you talk about basketball, sometimes, especially when things aren't going well for Buckeye basketball, people just don't, don't want to hear about it. And I understand it. It's been rough. Trust me. I know you've been at almost all of the games. I've been at almost all of the home games. Uh, it's been rough one before we get into it though. Got a beer here. Boom. From the 1870 society. I decided instead of pouring them before the show, because I love this sound and I know you do too. That's a great sound. That needs to be on the podcast more. So I'm going to start pouring it live. It's really not fair, Patrick. Just imagine if you had a day job or you had to go to an office. You wouldn't be able to yeah. crack that pretty little beer open at one o'clock in the afternoon. There's a reason that they don't give me day jobs. It's because of <laughs> right. Clearly, clearly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I know. So let's get into it. Um, I don't know really where to start with this team because I think there are a lot of ways to kind of dive into the issues. What would be like the number one thing as you've watched this team this year, especially as things have started to turn south here once again in January, that's kind of stood out about where they stand right now? I think the number one thing, Patrick, is their inability to to defend. And, you know, when you look at what they're – numbers have been throughout Chris Holtman's career here at Ohio State. They were a good defensive team until it got to the pandemic. And then we got on the flip side of that. And then the numbers started to spiral out of control. And, you know, they had a couple of years where you had a really talented freshman that you were hoping maybe would come back for a sophomore year, but didn't. But all in all, you've just got to be able to defend tougher and you've got to be more physical you, you can't give up such easy shots throughout a basketball game. Whether you're young or not, I think that's the number one thing, Patrick. They're outside the top 100 now. Even some of their better teams, at least their offensive number was way up high. They had some incredibly efficient offensive teams, especially the ones that had EJ Liddell on it. You paired Dwayne Washington. And then again, you you transitioned that into you know Malachi Branham being on the team. Offense was always not a problem for this program until these last two years, it's been completely different, but the defense has continued to slide. You would hope that even if you were trying to rebuild or retool, you could at least be proficient in that area. I would, I would rather be better in defense than I am in on, on offense, to be honest with you, because it's something that you can control with, you know, attention to detail, a little bit extra effort, toughness and physicality. But that's the big thing for me. And we can get into the youth and everything after that. But if they don't start defending a little bit better, they're not going to really have much of a shot to to grab even, you know, four or five more wins the rest of this year. Yeah, I think that's certainly been an issue for me. And, and I've talked about this. I've written about this. I guess I haven't talked about it a ton. It's the mental side of the game that seems to be the issue with these guys when when things were going well, they were able to build on that. But as soon as things started to have some issues, you know, you you have that game at Penn State where you drop that 18-point lead, and then the narrative becomes, okay, can they hold on to leads? And that, I think, got into a lot of these guys' heads. Um, you've had the narrative about the road losing streak, right? And they just can't get over the hump on the road. We're recording this on Friday, February 2nd. Buckeyes are going to play at Iowa tonight. I think you and I both probably expect more of the same on the road uh, in, yes. in that game. Maybe people will listen to this on Saturday and be like, those guys are idiots. They won the game at Iowa. But Do we do two different versions? One <laughs> in complete, utter surprise and shock that they won, 
And then another one where like, oh, there it was, you know, yeah. another uh, 11 point loss for the Buckeyes. They hung in there for a second, but they just can't do the things that you need to do to be able to win on the road in this conference. They can't make those winning plays and grind out a tough victory, which that's what it's about, right? They're, they're too young, too much youth to be able to do that. Yeah, and I, I know that the youth thing sounds like an excuse, and I think in some aspects it is, but from that mental standpoint, like a lot of these guys just haven't – I know Bruce Thornton was was a big part of last year's team, and, and Roddy Gale came on towards the end, and Felix Akpara played a good amount the second half of the season, but like now they're being counted on to be a key part of a team that's struggling, and you have to get through those struggles. And they don't have – Bruce Thornton is the leader of this team – but I'm not sure that they have the right guy to grab, you know, the rest of the team and, and maybe, you know, use some choice words to kind of draw a line in the sand and call tell these guys, look, this is enough. We, we're, we're done with this crap. And, yep. you know, yep. I think that you, you know, you look at some of the best teams in the country, either you're really talented and you just, you know, are good enough to win a bunch of games or you have a couple talented pieces, which the Buckeyes do, that big three, so to speak, and Bruce Thornton, Roddy Gale Jr., and Jamison Battle. And you, but you need one of those guys to be a guy who can who can really command the team, even when things are negative. And I just don't know if Bruce is that guy. You know, he's a great dude. I think he's really good for this program. Um, Jamison Battle, another leader. He doesn't seem to be that type of guy, though I know he did kind of grab – the huddle, uh, I think it was the Nebraska game, Northwestern game, I think, and kind of get after guys a little bit. Um, I think they're really lacking that type of leader. And I think that's a problem. Um, you know, I, I, and I don't know how you fix that during a season if you just don't have that guy. I agree with you, Pat, and everything that you said about Bruce Thornton. You know, sometimes you could be the best player on the team. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you're the best leader that we've seen. We see that all the time in sports, not just basketball. Right. But you would like to, I, I just think when I envisioned Bruce Thornton, the type of player he was, the fa- the way that he's built like a rock, like a bowling ball, he's a point guard. It just seemed to fit the bill that he would be that leader and that guy that would grab hold of a locker room. But I, I guess that might not be the case. And I thought there was glimpses of Felix speaking up a little bit as a true freshman last year. And some might have said, well, you haven't really done enough yet to be talking that way because you don't make enough impact on the court. And you could still say the same thing about Felix now as far as not making enough of an impact on the court to be that guy. I I think of a Kyle Young type of dude, you know, might not have always been the best player on the team, but he became a a veteran leader. You know, he, he played through injuries. He battled. He improved year to year to where when he was in his junior and senior seasons, you really needed him out there and you missed him when he was gone and you were not as good of a basketball team when he was gone. Uh, that kind of important guy. But I, 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 I agree. I don't know if they've got the, the killers or the dogs, so to speak on this team that can pick somebody up and say enough of this, you know, enough of this shit. Like we've got to figure something out and stop right. letting this season trend the way that it did last year. The, the low feeling that all these freshmen got to experience last year, you wouldn't have thought that they would let this get to this point after a 12 and two start. And I don't care that big 10 play is much, much different than non-conference play. I just would have thought they would have found a way to make the improvements, be better on defense, be tougher. 
And the other thing about youth is as an excuse, right? So a couple of points on that. And tell me if you agree. You're you're in a you're living in a world now where not just Holtman and but most coaches at a place like Ohio State are similar. Time is never something that's on your side. If you're Tom Izzo, okay. Like if you are someone that has a wall of accomplishments, Final Fours, Sweet 16s, Conference Championships, you get your time, right? Matt Painter had some crap years in the middle of his run at Purdue. You get your time because more often than not, you're competing for the championship. You're going to Sweet 16s. And that's even for a guy in another story. But Matt Painter fails more often than not with the teams that he has as far as the NCAA tournament goes. But maybe that's a bad example. You know what I'm saying? Time is not of the essence. So if you have a team that is trending young again, just like it did last year, you've got to go out and construct your roster a little bit different, right? Say you get a Jamison battle, you need another Jamison battle type, a guy that is at least a senior, maybe even a fifth year, and someone that's going to impact your roster as a starter, bulk load of the minutes, maybe even be one of your best players on the team, while some of these other guys can still be as good as they want to be. I mean, you still need a point guard, you still need a shooting guard, but if you had a three to go with Jamison battle, that was, you know, a, a 16 a game guy that was a fourth or fifth year dude that had mid-major experience. Look at what Illinois found with Marcus Damask in their state at Southern Illinois. Ohio State tried to find that guy in state with Tanner Holden. Guess what? He's right back at right state. And that that to me is kind of where where it is with this, with the youth. And it's 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 crumbling apart right now because you're playing and starting four sophomores. Maybe you we shouldn't be looking to do that from now on yeah I mean I think two things off of what you said one Chris Holtman made a conscious effort two seasons ago with the backing of Gene Smith when he got that contract extension to go on the road he felt like he could land a really good class he did land a really good class and recognized that there were going to be bumps if they were going to ride with that group now the bumps have been significantly bumpier so that the road has been bumpier than anyone expected. And this last year, this year, and I think when they've gone into the transfer portal, like you said, it's been more misses than hits, right? I mean, you look, you mentioned uh, Tanner Holden did not work at all. Other than one shot where he stepped out of bounds against Rutgers um, right now, Jameson battle has been very good. I'll give him that, but Evan Mahaffey, a role player who probably should be coming off the bench, Dale Bonner, a guy who could be, closer to what you're talking about given what he's experienced at, at a team like Baylor you but he's nothing. not not even close yeah Bruce Thornton was in foul trouble last game he came in played five minutes at the end of the first half goes back to uh when when Bruce comes in doesn't I, play the rest of the game well you saw how when Dale came in at the end of that half against Illinois he looked confused the entire time on defense there was a lack of communication and then it might have been him and Roddy they let a guy just step right up to the top of the key, yeah. uncovered, and he drilled a three. Yep. Simple as that. Just I don't I don't remember if they were trying to get into the two-three zone there or they just couldn't get manned up. Little things like that. Right when you enter the game, right when you enter the game. And recruiting rankings are just that too. That's another thing you got to look at. So you pulled in a couple top 10 classes. We've already illustrated how you just don't have time to go that young all at once. You just can't crater a couple seasons when you're six, seven years in to the run. 
and you're already still trying to hit certain benchmarks to appease the fans, to bring people back. You've got the lowest attendance in the history of Value City Arena right now, yep. and no one is coming out to watch this basketball team. And I, I don't know, someone said it right there. We could talk about some of the guys that are part of these highly rated classes. Is is Felix Okpara even on his way? Like, if, if we just kept on going with some of these guys, are you still going to be – is that the answer? Just wait until these guys continue to get older? That doesn't automatically mean that they're going to turn into the players that you envisioned. You're going to make – you're going to have some misses on some of your highly rated classes, right? You're going to have some hits. Bruce and Roddy look like hits. Uh, Bowen Hardman, we still can't get him on the court. And Felix Okpara is – He's got a hell of a lot of growing to do. I mean, that's not Armando Baycott at North Carolina, or at least he comes in and can give you like a small, like double-double, a 10-10 and 10 guy while yeah. he continues to develop. And Zed Key's an older guy, but what is if – if you're getting this kind of, you know, play from your five with Felix, Zed can't start. I mean, what do we – occasionally you might fall into a double-double with Zed Key, but far cry from someone giving you – you know, 18 and nine or 17 and nine with what you would hope for a guy that's been in the system for, for four years. Right. And you clearly need the help right now with where this team is. You need a rock, you need the help, but he can't be that guy. So we've, we've had comments here in the chat. Uh, Obviously this has been a topic of conversation. Chris Holtman. um, We both like the guy. I think we both think he is a good basketball coach. It's not working for now the second year, and we've detailed some of the reasons why, but what is your view, and, and I'll follow up after you, what is your view of what where Chris Holtman sits and, and kind of you know, what, what happens next? I think you go back to you know, what Gene Smith gave the comment to the dispatch uh, the other week about you know, how he is excited to see February and March play out. Yeah. That's the, that's the thing here. Again, I'm not, I'm not one for calling for somebody's job right now. You know, we're in the middle of this season here. I I can tell you, I don't, I don't feel like it's going to be good. I don't feel like this is an NCAA tournament team. And we know that Ross Bjork is going to have a job to do and he's in a results business, right? You know, that's, he's going to, you want to come in here and, if the program is not in a place where he sees fit, then it's going to be his job to to go and shake some things up. And so, I don't know, man. It's just you know, we are in a prediction business, and you know, if we're predicting things, I, I don't feel like this is a team that can get hot and make the NCAA tournament. I don't, I don't see that there's a run with these guys the way that they're playing. I really hope that I'm wrong, but. It's just, it's been so rough. It's been so rough. And again, we illustrated the lowest attendance, the, the last two years, the lowest attendance in the history of the Schottenstein Center. Some of that might be a little bit of the pandemic, I know, but I also think that if you had some really exciting, fun, fast-paced basketball team that's getting wins, you know, that's you know, playing really hard and playing really, really well for its fans that it would that it would be different and that would show up right there even though we're in a, even in a football town because we're in a big city like we love basketball in the state of Ohio we love basketball in, in the state of Ohio and in Columbus and you know Schottenstein Center be damned and how big that place is the numbers could be up and it's just 
it's it feels ominous. It just it feels like we're walking on eggshells right here, Pat. I hate I it. I hate it for them, but it, it feels like that's where we are. I agree. I it, it feels very similar to the end of the Thad era. It's happening differently. Um, you know, he wasn't recruiting. That staff wasn't recruiting well, and the results mm-hmm. were being affected because of that. Chris Holtman's staff is recruiting well. We've detailed why we think there haven't been the results. Uh, for me, it comes down to, you mentioned it, Ross Bjork coming in. This could be potentially his first major decision in, in terms of Chris Holtman or, or a new basketball coach. Um, I don't know where you go for your next coach if you do. And that's, you know, we don't need to get into that until there's well, someone asked. They're, they're not, I, I doubt they even have a list right now. No, I, I don't no. think. I mean, I'm it, sure that there are point. contacts that, yeah. you know, people have and whatnot, but I mean, in all likelihood, you're probably bringing in another Chris Holtman type of, I mean, that's what Thad was, you know, he came from Butler. Now he had, he went to Xavier, but it's not like he was a well-established, you know, big name. I don't know if Buckeye basketball can find that guy given kind of the, what you just said about the Schottenstein center value city arena. But again, again, man, the, the world has changed from the last time we did this. Yeah. The, that's the world is different. Hypothetically, if you do that, you are, you have a new athletic director. His game is NIL and fundraising. I don't see any reason why, if they were looking for the next coach, why that guy wouldn't swing huge and then let the chips fall where they may. You always are going to take a big, huge cut in a few of them if you're a place like Ohio State. So it might wind up being that guy, and I wouldn't even – I don't know, at that time would would Butler have been considered a mid-major, kind of on the move out of it, being a Big East program and making two runs to the national championship game. So it was a little bit different. But, hey, I I really – it was a perfect fit at the time because you're taking a coach that had been to three straight NCAA tournaments and a sweet 16. And he was a young head coach that had been at a very small school and then got an opportunity at a step up and also did very well there. And there was some steady progression. And then the pandemic happened here when you got into the important years of a, of a coaching run. And then we had the very down season last year. And now we're li- we're living it right now. Like they're they're in the fight of their lives of their lives right now, today. Even uh, again, if you watch this afterwards, could have been another another brutal hit. You know, on the road to make it fifteen straight if they don't scratch that off. That's that's uh, it's crazy, crazy. Yeah, and look, the Big Ten. I've talked to guys who've played in this conference in the past. Like the Big Ten is different there aren't games where you just know you're going to go out and beat a team on the road anymore, but that's not an excuse for 14, 15 straight losses on the road. It's just not, I mean, you've got to find a way to, to win one of those games. In you, had one, one. you had yeah. one, one, you had one, one. Yeah. Yeah. And again, we, we come back to the leads get blown in, in college hoops. Right. But when you're this team, you, if you play that well for a stretch of the game, you gotta you gotta grind out that win, you know. Yeah. You gotta you gotta figure out a way, right? Figure even out a way if, to grind that out. Even if that ends, you know, you only win by two or you know something along those lines after having a big lead. Yeah, there'd be some negative talk about. Well, they blew a lead or almost blew a lead, but at least you won the game, right? And yeah, you know that's that's uh, that's the difference right now. Anyway, Tim, I know you got stuff to do over at the fan, but I wanted to have you on for. 
the Buckeye talk because I know basketball just gets you fired up. And uh, I love that about you. So, Well, I want to be fired up for it, man. There's nothing I love more than March Madness. It is my favorite, favorite time of year. But I don't know. It, it doesn't feel like the Buckeyes are that team uh, this year. And they need really high resume boosting wins. And we're just trying to see who we can beat at all on the Big Ten schedule. I think they'll win some more games and win some of the home games. But – Road is a total coin flip right now. So there, there we are. Yep. All right. Thanks, Timmy. Uh, All right, guys. I will talk to you soon. Go, go Bucks. Hopefully you'll come out to a basketball game at some point soon. I can't hold that against you right now. You're welcome back anytime. Yeah. As someone said in the comments, uh, the women's team is doing a good job. So maybe it's those games. Hell yes. Yeah. Why didn't we talk about women's hoops for the 20 minutes? We can do next time. They had a, you see their third quarter yesterday? Yeah. It was a five point game at halftime. By the end of the third, it's like 80 to 40 or something like that. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. They're fun. Right. They're a lot of fun. Yeah. Go McGuff, right. go Bucks. See you, Timmy. All right. Thanks to Timmy Hall for uh, coming on, talking some hoops. I think it's a really interesting topic. And I know it's really easy to just say fire Chris Holtman. And that may ultimately be the decision that's made and, you know, maybe they bring in somebody else, but you know, if you fire Chris Holtman, do you lose two, three, four, you know, members of this freshman sophomore group that they're trying to build around? You know, you just saw what happened. You've seen what happened in in football when coaches have been fired, the transfer portal opens and, you know, guys go places. Now I think with Ohio state's NIL situation being better, there's an easier path to trying to keep these guys, but I mean, even last year, after the season they had, I know that there were uh, people that reached out via various channels to some of the guys on the roster to try and get them to enter the transfer portal and and commit to their school and things like that. So, I don't know. It's easy to say fire Chris Holtman. And and again, if they don't win enough to get in the NCAA tournament, I think that's probably what's coming down the pipeline two straight years is not uh, the the standard at Ohio State of not making the tournament. This should be a team. This program should be in the tournament every year, or at least very close. Maybe you have one. You have a bad year every once in a while. You miss the tournament. Uh, you play in the NIT and you make a run like uh, Thad's team did after the national championship uh, game appearance. But it can't just continue to be like this. It just can't. And you know, it'll be interesting. I think if Gene Smith were sticking around. Um, beyond this season, then maybe he lets Chris Holtman have another run at it with this same group next season to, to see if maybe when the sophomores or juniors, if it works, but having a new athletic director in, you know, this is a guy from, from talking to Ross Bjork at his intro after his introductory press conference and, and whatnot, the, you know, he wants to win. He wants to win in, in all sports. And clearly that is not happening in men's basketball right now. It's, it's unfortunate. Um, I, you know, I've defended Chris Holtman and this program for a while now, but look, I, I said it, I think last year during the, the really bad run, I would much rather cover a basketball team that is winning and hope that that comes back here in the near future, because going out and covering those games, I understand why people aren't coming out to the shot. Uh, it's, it's not fun. It's not even like pretty basketball most of the time. So, you know, 
we'll, we'll see what happens, but it's, it's, it's teetering right now. It's certainly teetering, but let's get into some football talk because that is much more positive. And this is the happy hour after all, right? We're supposed to, we're supposed to enjoy this thing. So uh, this week, I'm sure you all are aware by now, the Ohio state transfers, well, five of them technically, the sixth transfer, Julian Sayan, uh, they're kind of grouping him in with the the class, the freshman class that has arrived on campus. Uh, but five of the six, so to speak, of the transfers sat down and spoke with the media. We got about 20 minutes with, with each of those guys. And let me tell you, I wrote this in a story I did on Bucknuts uh, last night. Uh, just kind of takeaways from the, the time with the transfer portal guys. Very impressive. Very impressive overall. Um, you know, they all well-spoken, all prepared to talk to the media and, you know, handled it well. And look, this shouldn't come as much of a surprise. All of these guys, other than Caleb Downs, have been playing college football for multiple seasons. Caleb Downs, um, you know, spent a year at Alabama where he was obviously, uh, you know, thrown into the fire, so to speak, as a starting safety, true freshman. But Really came away impressed with all of them. Uh, I want to talk. I'm going to have a sip of the beer here. I want to talk about two in particular. And I think as we go on, we can talk more about them before we get into spring ball. Uh, each different guy. But quarterback Will Howard. Center Seth McLaughlin. He clarified that it is not McLaughlin, as a lot of people, myself included, have been saying. McLaughlin. Uh those two, obviously, that's going to be a key relationship, um, center to to quarterback. Uh, I thought Will Howard was really interesting in that he's not coming to Ohio State to be a running quarterback. I think a lot of people have talked about his dual threat ability, and he does have it. He is. He said he will run when he needs to, but he wants to be a pocket passer. He wants to play in a pro style offense. And he wants to get ready for the NFL. He could have gone to the NFL after the 2023 season instead of entering the transfer portal, but felt like if he could end up at a place like Ohio State, also, I think uh, USC, Miami were the other two that he was seriously considering. Uh, you know, he thought that that would be the best for him and his, his development. He made it clear that, well, he didn't say this outright, but the impression I got was that Kansas State asked him to do more when he was playing, by the way. We'll get to that in a second. But Kansas State asked him to do more with his legs than he probably would have done if, if it were up to him, um, likely because there wasn't the talent overall around him that he will have at Ohio State. So if you are expecting Will Howard to come in and, you know, I don't even know if he will be Justin Fields' level runner, um, I think you might be a little bit disappointed. Now, I say that in – I think there are certain situations where he will be really effective and really help the team with his running ability. I think those are short yardage and red zone. And that was an issue for Ohio State last year. Both of those situations, the Buckeyes struggled in. And a lot of that had to do with the offensive line play. Some of it had to do with Kyle McCord and his accuracy, especially in the red zone, um, you know, comparing him to CJ Stroud the two years prior. CJ was a great red zone quarterback, despite the fact that he did not use his legs much when he got down there. Um, I think you need, if you are the Buckeyes, you need to at least have that as an, an option 
and probably show it early in the season. I don't know how often you're going to need to use it. You're going to have two really good running backs. Um, but as, as Urban Meyer used to talk about, Ryan Day's talked about it a little bit, like when you have a mobile quarterback down there or a guy that can at least be a threat to run, and, and Will Howard, a big guy, uh, you know, certainly has the um, ability to, you know, plow through, you know, Tim Tebow-esque, uh, Josh Allen-esque, um, you know, running style when he gets down close to the uh, close to the end zone. I think that is where you will see Will Howard use his legs the most. He's not a scrambler. He doesn't scramble often. He's not a guy who's going to make you miss very often. Um, but he's an effective runner when he gets out. But he wants to show his ability as a passer. He talked about he thinks his best skill is his arm. And that's why he's coming to Ohio State. He wants to play with all these weapons that he's going to have and be able to distribute the football and then a little run here and there when he needs to, um, which I think is, is the recipe that Ryan day wants, right? Like if you look back at Justin Fields and how much he ran, it was more his sophomore year. I think um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it wasn't like Justin Fields was, you know, Braxton Miller, especially early in his career, you know, running around out there. He was, you know, definitely look to throw first. And that's, that's kind of the recipe Ohio State's had, uh, re- recipe for success Ohio State's had. You know, even CJ, I know people were upset about him not running. You know, he didn't need to. Like Those games, you know, r- him running wouldn't have changed much. And when he did need to, he did it. He did it against Northwestern. He didn't against Georgia. Um, so that's kind of what I think the blueprint for Ohio State's success is. I also think what I took away with Will Howard is, the confidence of Ohio State. Now they haven't named him the starting quarterback yet, but we're going to assume that he's going to be the the starting quarterback. Um, that just seems to be the way that it's going. He was throughout his time at Kansas State. He was a backup who lost, who got his job multiple times due to injuries, but then lost it again. Uh, I think it was Adrian Martinez, his sophomore year, got hurt. Will Howard comes in, plays well. Uh, Skylar Thompson, one year as well. And, you know, he could just never hold on to that job for one reason or another. And I think the lack of confidence that the Kansas State staff showed in him affected him. And, you know, Ohio State obviously has plenty of quarterback options. There's five guys in that room that, Probably all five could start at a lot of schools in the country. Um, but I think the Buckeyes have put a lot of faith in Will Howard by, you know, going to the transfer portal game. Now, again, if he goes out in spring ball and, and fall camp and is clearly not the guy, then, you know, he didn't, doesn't win the job. But I do think that, that you know, the, the fact that they more or less have told him, you're the guy, go lead this program next year, a really talented roster around you. Um, I think that is going to be a big confidence boost for a guy who just hasn't had that very often. And, you know, that's probably an underrated part of, of the position, but you know, when, when you have coaches around you that really believe in you, I I think you can play better. You play uh, without as much concern of mistakes and, you know, he has made some mistakes. He's thrown, thrown some interceptions throughout his career, but uh you know, I think the the confidence that Ryan Day and the staff will put in him, Bill O'Brien, uh, will 
you know, we'll do, we'll do wonders for him. And then, and then obviously the weapons around him, he hasn't had a group like this, Emeka Buka, Carnell Tate, um, you know, maybe Brandon Innes, maybe Jeremiah Smith, who, who knows what the receivers look like the running game with Travion Henderson and Quinshawn Judkins now uh, is going to be as good as he's had. I mean, his best receiver at uh, Kansas state was a running back fullback, uh, you know, out of the backfield more often than not. And that will not be the case at Ohio state, which I think will help him significantly. You know, again, I don't know what his numbers will look like at the end of next season. And I've said that, I don't think, you know, he's necessarily a guy who's going to come in and, and be a Heisman Trophy finalist like a lot of the recent Ohio State quarterbacks have been, but he doesn't need to be. He needs to be an upgrade over what they had last year, use his legs when he needs to, and effectively get the ball to all of the weapons out there. And I think he can do that. Uh, again, really impressed with him. Transitioning into the guy who's going to hopefully get him the ball, and I'm going to have a story on Bucknuts here shortly and by the time this gets out to people that aren't watching this live it may already be posted uh seth mclaughlin i think everyone's memory of him is the snaps against michigan there were a few bad ones in the third quarter and there was obviously the bad one or the low one uh in on in overtime on fourth and goal that ended up being a part of the reason alabama lost that game to michigan if you watched Alabama throughout the season, he had some bad snaps in other games too. The Iron Bowl, I believe there was one against Texas. Um, Seth McLaughlin didn't run from this. You know, he admitted that it wasn't a great, great season in that capacity. And, you know, he didn't want to put a blame on any one thing. You know, he talked about, you know, if you're the point guard in a basketball game and you're not making your free throws, you're not doing your job to help the team win comparing that to snapping the football, which he said is, you know, how every play starts, right? You've got to be able to get that done. Um, but he also pointed to the fact that he's been snapping as a center since he was seven years old, which, you know, most offensive linemen who end up playing center grew up playing a different position. Now, obviously at peewee football, you still have to have somebody snap the ball, right? But a lot of times because guys are bigger or whatnot, they don't end up playing center. You know, usually they're playing tackle in high school, play guard to start their college career and then maybe move to center, start working on snapping. I mean, you've seen it before in the past with guys like uh, Pat Elfline and Billy Price at Ohio state. Uh, now there are guys that play center through high school and go on and play in college, but he's been doing it since he was seven years old. He's never had issues like he had last year at Alabama. So you take the sample size and you look at, okay, one year was bad. And this is what Ohio state did. How can we fix this? And you know, he talked about just kind of getting back into a rhythm and that's, you know, throughout this off season with drills and, and whatnot, and, you know, finding that confidence, because I do think, and, and, you know, he talked about once the snaps, you know, once you have one, you start thinking about the fact that you need to do it right. But he also said he didn't think it was any sort of mental block. I, I, you know, I can't get in his head, but watching and reading between the lines here, I do think, you know, he had a couple bad ones in big moments, you're at Alabama where you're expected to be perfect every snap, similar to Ohio State. And, you know, once it kind of went wrong, I think he just, I think mentally, and, you know, he's thinking about it too much. And, you know, this should be something that comes naturally, right? You've practiced it over and over and over again. 
And so I think between getting out of Alabama, a place that he was spoke very highly of, said he has no negative feelings towards anything at Alabama, even the game against Michigan that they lost. I think getting out of there, getting a change of scenery, coming to another program that still has very high standards, you know, just as high as Alabama, and he has to be good and he'll face the same kind of criticism if he's not, but getting into a new program where he talked about, he's always thrived from change and he will, this will change. It's a new coach, right? With Justin Fry, it'll be, you know, it's a whole new, a whole new city, whole new school, whole new building, all that. Uh, I think that helps. And then he talked about how Justin Fry and, and Bill Curlick talk, reported this on, on Bucknuts a while back after McLaughlin committed is they have a plan in place. And, and this was something they talked about that impressed Seth McLaughlin uh, during his brief transfer portal recruiting time. There's a plan in place in terms of not only the snapping, but just where he can continue to get better and what, you know, he needs to do. And, and they've kind of, and Justify kind of laid it out for him and said, you know, here, here are the areas I like about you. And here are the areas we think you can get better. And here's how we're going to get you better. And I like the fact that that's already been laid out. That's already been communicated. They clearly, you know, they being Ohio state clearly had looked at Seth McLaughlin and said, we see the positives of this player. We think he can help upgrade us on the offensive line. We know where he can get better. And, you know, this, this isn't a guessing game. This isn't, well, let's bring him in and look at him and then figure it out. They are, they have a plan ready to go to make this group as a whole better. And it starts at center and center is where he's going to play. Let's make no mistake about it. I mean, Seth McLaughlin said, you know, he's open to doing whatever on the offensive line, but mostly the interior of the offensive line that helps the Buckeyes win. But he, you know, he talked for the vast majority of his 20 plus minutes meeting with us about center. So, you know, I don't see him moving to guard. I know Bill Curlick had reported the intent was to play him at center. Unless something changes over the offseason, that is going to be his job. And now it's about putting in the work to make sure that you are ready to go come, you know, spring practice, come fall camp, and then obviously the start of the season. And look, this is a guy who he took, he played eight, started eight games his um, two years ago, 2022 for Alabama, took over partway into the season. And was one of the best centers, if you look at, you know, PFF grades and, and other, you know, grading metrics, one of the best centers in the SEC. So clearly he can get the job done. Uh, I think that, you know, the, the issues that he had are fixable. And now you move forward with him um, and, and go from there. So again, really impressed with both of those guys. I think they need to have, they have already started forming this relationship uh, they both talked about each other, and I think it's going to be key for the Buckeyes to, um, you know, have success this this year. Obviously, that is that quarterback center um, relationship is is so very important, and you know, probably something that that doesn't get talked about enough. So, really impressed with both those guys. Excited to continue to kind of see them grow, see them actually on the field for Ohio State starting in spring practice, and, and you know, continue to talk to them. I, I was really impressed with how they handled those interviews and, and whatnot. The moment was not too big for either of them, despite the vast, you know, the, the giant Ohio state media group uh, that, that asked all of those guys questions. Um, okay. I saw a few questions here. I'm going to touch on these here. Um, 
Jermaine H. Runnels asked, are you going to talk about the Big Ten and SEC joining up? So I did see this. Um, I haven't read into it very much because I was getting ready to start the podcast when this all got reported. It sounds like they are forming some sort of group to kind of look at college sports in general. Um, Forgive me for not having looked into it too much. I I wasn't going to talk about it just because I don't know a ton, but I'm very interested. Uh, The Big Ten and the SEC don't generally join together in things. It's it's been a rivalry. So I think you're seeing two conferences that feel like things need changed and they're going to look in how they could best help do that. So I think that part of it is interesting. Um, you know, we'll, we could talk about that more later once I have more information on it. Again, apologize for not looking into that. I was just getting this show ready when I saw that stuff kind of break on, on social media. Um, Question here from Kev Call. Who is on the Buckeyes' radar screen for the next basketball coach? Um, I think Tim said it earlier. I don't think they're, you know, it's not like they have a list ready to go for for the next guy. Now, you know, Gene Smith obviously has people he knows. I'm sure there's people in the back of his mind if and when, you know, I think this is true with coaches in, in every sport. If and when you have to make moves, there are guys that you would probably call first. Um, the same is likely true with Ross Bjork. Obviously he has different connections having had different experiences in the sec and and whatnot. Uh, so if, and when this becomes a thing, we'll dive into more, but I do think it's a really interesting question because as I said with Tim, like, you know, Ohio state basketball, certainly a good job, but it's not like Ohio state football in that it's the elite of the elite and you get to play in front of 100,000 people at one of the best stadiums in the country, it's, you know, you're playing at the shot, which even when it's packed, isn't the greatest basketball environment. That could change down the road, but I think if and when it does, it's a ways off. Um, you know, you you are in the shadow of football, which, you know, look around the country, it's rare to find football and basketball programs that are both elite at the same time. It's happened. It's happened here. Um, but it just doesn't happen a lot because usually one overshadows the other. You know, if you're uh, a place like Ohio State where football's king, to quote Ross Bjork, uh, you know, it's it's hard to then have that basketball program sustain in the same way a football program can. Vice versa with a place like Duke or North Carolina. Yeah, both have had some success on the football field, but nowhere near the sustained success they've had on the basketball court. And so, you know, it makes it hard to hire a basketball coach when we're talking about Ohio State of the elite level. Now, you know, could you go and find, you know, another young kind of up and coming guy? Yes, I think you could do that. Could you go to the NBA and find somebody? Um, You know, I think you look at what Michigan did a few years ago um, with John Beeline. I, I think that was, you know, a perfect situation for them. Um, you know, he came from West Virginia. So could you go and find something for somebody like that? Maybe, you know, does, does somebody from a place like West Virginia want to come quite possibly. And obviously money is going to be a factor there. Um, you know, I think it's a really interesting conversation to have. I want to wait to really have it until something happens. Right. I think, you know, Chris Holtman still has the job for now. Um, at least. And so I don't want to get too far into the weeds with that because there's still a guy here trying to do a job and, you know, we'll have plenty of time to discuss that 
if and when the Buckeyes decide to uh, to part ways with Chris Holtman. Um, GT Long said, it's been a magical January for the Buckeyes, but what happens if the unimaginable occurs and Howard gets hurt early on? Could Devin take us home? Uh, that's a good question. We just haven't seen a ton of Devin Brown, right? Uh, you know, he keeps getting hurt at very inopportune times. Right before the spring game, he hurts his hand, finger, whatever it was last year. Um, you know, he starts to have this role as a red zone quarterback last season, gets hurt again against Penn State, comes into the Cotton Bowl. This is supposed to be his time. We heard all these positive things about how he was looking in bowl practice and gets hurt again, uh, other ankle this time. So, look, I think from what we've seen in practice of Devin Brown, the way he pushed Kyle McCord, stuff I've heard, I think if Devin can stay healthy, and get an opportunity, I think he can be a very good Ohio State quarterback. Again, what is his ceiling? Is it Justin Fields, C.J. Stroud? I'm not sure about that, just because we haven't seen him enough in games to know that, and, and games are obviously different. But I do think he can go out and lead this team, again, if he can stay healthy. Um, you know, I know that the Ohio State staff looks at Will Howard and thinks Devin Brown could be that type of quarterback, you know, a guy that could, you know, distribute the ball, but can also, uh, you know, do some of the running stuff that they need, not a ton of running. Um, you know, he's a bigger guy. So, you know, I, I do think now there's also the question that follows this is Devin still even around by the 2024 season? You know, if, if Will Howard goes out in spring practice and clearly looks like QB one, not only in terms of the reps he's taking, but the, um, the performances, you know, Devin Brown has said all the right things that make you think he will stay. And I think he will, but you're going into your third year as a quarterback. You know, only one guy's going to play. Are you willing to take another year as a backup and, you know, not even have the opportunity he had a year ago where he could come in as that red zone quarterback, because now you've got a guy who can do all that stuff and, and probably do it a little bit better in Will Howard. I wouldn't begrudge Devin as a Buckeye fan if he do, did decide to make a move and, and go. I think, you know, at, at points you have to make the best decision for your career, and that may be his situation. So a lot of uncertainty with Devin Brown for sure. But I do think if he did need to come in and play for an extended period of time for the Buckeyes, if he can stay healthy, I do think he has the talent to be good. Um Richard, Richard, excuse me, Ryle, real? Apologize if I got that wrong. If Bill O'Brien goes to Boston College, does Sane go too? I know the NCAA has transfer portal rules that you can't transfer more than twice. Uh, I believe they've changed that. You can now transfer what you can, you can kind of do whatever you want. Um, but Bill O'Brien, from my understanding, is not going to Boston College. I know that name's been thrown out there. It's easy to throw out there. He was obviously involved in uh, the process the last time. If you missed any missed this, Jeff Halfley, former Ohio State defensive coordinator, that just this week took the defensive coordinator job at Boston College, or excuse me, at for the Green Bay Packers leaving Boston College. Um, look, I, I'll never say never with, with coaches, but I would be shocked if Bill O'Brien, who just signed a contract with Ohio State, decides to to bolt for Boston College um, in terms of if he if, if on the small chance that that were to happen does Julian Sane go I don't know uh, I would doubt it 
like I know he has a really good relationship with Bill O'Brien, but you know, he I he wants to win and and be developed into, you know, an NFL quarterback, right? And I don't know a ton of Boston College quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, I can think of one in particular who retired a couple of years ago, a year ago, and Matt Ryan, but like it's not like Boston College is known for that. Um, while Bill O'Brien could turn that around and maybe Julian saying, uh, apologize if I said Justin, I keep saying Justin for whatever reason. I don't know if I had a friend with a similar name, but Julian saying, um, you know, I don't, it, it would surprise me on both fronts basically, but I don't think you're going to have to worry about it because I don't think Bill O'Brien is going to go there. I have not heard any reason for anyone to, uh, be scared that Bill O'Brien's going to, to bounce, uh, last one here, uh, Brian Cato, any truth to air air Nolan missing meetings already? Not that I've heard, um, you know, not that I've dug into everything air Nolan has done since he arrived on campus, but, uh, no, I, I have not heard that if, if he has, that has not crossed, uh, crossed my desk, reached my ear, so to speak. Um, and while we're on the topic real quick, and we can make a whole podcast about this, but. The, the Jeff Halfley move to the NFL, I think college football fans should be ready to see more of this if rules don't change. Right now, being an NFL coach has so much more appeal other than probably the money that you can make um, as a college coordinator, head coach, whatever it may be. Um, you know, as an NFL, there are very strict rules about when NFL events happen, right? You obviously have the season. Um, you have the scouting process. You have the draft. You have OTAs. You have rookie mini camp, all that stuff, preseason. But, like, that's all set. So, you know, as a NFL head coach, NFL coach, at position coach, coordinator, whatever, what your schedule is going to more or less look like, when you're going to have time off. Um, you don't have to recruit. And you don't have to deal with, you don't have to re-recruit your own team because they're signed contracts and you don't have to deal with NIL because they're signing contracts. It's, it's a much, I don't want to say easier, but there's significantly less other crap to deal with as a NFL head coach or NFL coach, sorry. And I think you're going to see more and more guys make that jump unless we get something figured out in college sports. And, and this may be true in college basketball too. I think maybe you see more guys go to the NBA. It's a bit of a different, you know, they're different games a little bit. Um, but look, it's, I've talked to a lot of coaches and it's, it's a major, uh, you know, major difference in terms of what these guys are being asked to do right now. Uh, you know, I know of one head coach who, was on vacation with his family, had to leave vacation to go meet with a current player on his roster to re-recruit him to stay on his team and not enter the transfer portal. That shit isn't happening in the NFL. When you go on vacation, you're not having to do stuff like that. Now, every once in a while, there's a potential trade that comes up or things like that. You know, the GM will call you, you know, every once in a while, maybe something like that happens. But for the most part, your time is your time and you know when you're going to work, life becomes significantly easier. And I think you're going to see it more and more. Um, and, you know, 
I think it, it could even affect a place like Ohio State down the road at some point. These guys, you know, if they have opportunities to go to the NFL and be a coach, uh, you know, and I'm not thinking of anyone in particular, I'm just saying, you know, this is something that, that could affect the Buckeyes. I, I think it's going to affect a lot of college sports unless they get things figured out. And by God, I hope they do because it's, it's getting ridiculous. And, you know, it's good news for us because we get stuff to talk about and write about and everything, but not good for these guys. And, and, you know, obviously they could use a break. All right. We're going to wrap up another Bucknuts happy hour here. Um, I know we don't often dive into to hoops. Uh, there's just always so much football stuff to talk about, but I wanted to make sure we hit on, you know, kind of what's going on with the basketball team because it's problematic right now. And, you know, we'll see what happens in the Iowa game this evening. Um, but like Tim said, I'm not very confident that, that they're going to get it done on the road. So thank you all for tuning in. Um, we'll hit on more next week with, uh, you know, the, the transfer portal guys. We may get more interviews going forward, too, so we may have even more to talk about. But plan is kind of hit on some of these transfer portal guys a couple at a time, one at a time maybe, depending on how much we have to talk about. And I'm sure there'll be new news by then because it's the Buckeyes, and that's what happens. So thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the Bucknuts Happy Hour. Cheers. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.